Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Love is hard. Love is laying down oneself for another. Love is patient and kind. If we are honest, we are impatient and unkind. It's really hard for me to be patient with others. I tend to want, now I may be the only one in this room, but I tend to want things to go my way. And when it doesn't go my way, I can be unkind. I'm not usually mean, but I can refrain from being kind. I have great difficulty with, with being patient in, in, every, in and every situation. I don't like to wait for my food. I don't like to wait for test results. I don't like to wait for my children. And I don't like to wait for my wife. If I'm honest, I don't like to wait for you either. (laughs) I have difficulty being kind day in and day out. And oftentimes when people need need me to be kind, I find myself thinking about how what they are going through really affects me. I am impatient. I am unkind. Are you patient? Are you kind? Can you think of someone that you were unkind to? Most of us don't have to look beyond our immediate families. If you have a roommate at school, you don't have to look beyond that relationship. Love does not envy, it does not boast. It is not arrogant or rude. I admit I am jealous about all sorts of things. I am jealous of people who seem to have it easier than me. And yet if I'm honest, I have it easier than most. I am arrogant at times as well. I look at certain situations that people are maybe going through and I think, if that was me, that wouldn't be such a big problem. And I tend to talk about my accomplishments when I'm talking with other people. Not at all thinking about how my boasts may affect their struggles. I try very hard not to be rude. But sometimes I am rude to those who are closest to me in my own family. Do you envy? Do you boast or brag about your accomplishments, as if it were all you? Are you arrogant? And have you ever been rude to other people? Love does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable. It is not resentful. I pretty much always insist on my way. Even with really minor things. I don't know if I see it as a sign of weakness if I give in. But I am shamed about how often I insist on my way. Both at work and at home. Especially when it's over things that don't matter. 
when it's not about doctrine, when it's just about who's right and who's wrong. What I mean is, I'm stubborn. (laughs) I'm extremely irritable, especially when I don't get my own way. That's probably my biggest irritation. (laughs) You may not see me be irritable, but unfortunately, those I love the most see me when I act more like a two-year-old than a 43-year-old. Do you ever insist on your own way? Do you ever get irritable or resentful of the things of, of people who stop you from doing what you want to do? Things that keep you from having it your way. Love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. There have been times in my life when I have rejoiced in wrongdoing. I'm getting away with this. I have unfortunately been involved with gossip, and I have shared gossip without caring for the people that I have talked about. You're probably starting to wonder, why did we get this guy for a pastor? <laughs> but I've done other, many other things, un, things willingly, that I wish now that I wouldn't have done. Have you ever been a part of something that you knew was wrong, but you didn't care at the time? Were you ever excited to do something that you knew was wrong? I'm putting this on a personal level, but as a societal level, I've seen things that were greatly painful this past couple weeks when it came to rejoicing over uh, abortion right up to the point of birth in New York. When they talked about in Virginia allowing a an infant to be born, feeding the infant, taking care of the infant, and then having a discussion between physicians and the parent of whether they would like to keep the baby. And there was great rejoicing. They lit up the Twin Tower Memorial in pink to celebrate the ability to... Kill children. I rejoice in evil in my own ways, and you've done it in your own ways, and as a society, we're doing it in great and horrific ways. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Now, it should be abundantly clear at this point that we are not love. But it is hopefully also abundantly clear that we need love. And this is why Jesus came to our world. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever should believe in him shall not perish. And that's where all of our stuff leads to. It leads to perishing. But God's love leads it that we would not perish, but that we would have everlasting life. 
Jesus is God's love for the world. He is God's love for you, and he is God's love for me. And we are people who need God's love. We are enslaved, and we fall into everything that love is not. And Jesus takes away everything that our sin and hate has brought into this world. Now Jesus, God's love for the world, he went down to Capernaum. And he was teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word possessed authority. His word is God's love that shows us our sin and shows us our redemption in the promise of him who was preaching that day. The people marveled at Jesus because he wasn't like us. He wasn't preaching to be liked by others. He wasn't hoping that he would get 10 to 15 great sermons. (laughs) He wasn't preaching to be liked by others. He was preaching so that people would be saved. He told them their sin, even when it offended them, because he desired to give them the forgiveness and grace, his love that all of us need. And in the synagogue, there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, Ha, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. This man in our gospel needed Jesus. He needed love. He was filled with hate. There was something inside of him that wanted to get rid of Jesus. He had had a demon that desired to keep him in sin, isolated from God's love. His demon would tempt him to do everything that love is not. His demon would lead him into all manner of sin. It would lead him to impatience and unkindness. It would lead him to boasting, to arrogance, to rudeness. He would be led to insist on his own way to be irritable and resentful of others who stood between him and his desires. This demon would lead this man to all manner of wrongdoing and it would cause him to hide from the truth even if it meant harm to himself and to other people. This man needed love. This man needed Jesus. This picture is built up over where that, these events took place, where God's love touched the people in that synagogue. And Jesus spoke to the evil inside of this man. It says he rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him, having done him no harm. And they were all amazed, and they said to one another, What is this word? For with authority he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. This word is God made flesh. 
This word that drove out the evil in this man was God's love made flesh. This word is the same love that washed you with water and the word in holy baptism. The love that cast out your sin, cast out the devil, and replaced it with God's love and everlasting life. In your baptism, sin, death, and the devil, they were all cast out, and they were replaced with God's love, which not only leaves you unharmed, but leaves you healed. You were saved by the love that saved that man in the synagogue that day. The demon's sickness and death cannot stand in the presence of love. And on the last day when Jesus returns, all things will pass away except God's love and all who abide in that love. And the rest of our reading is a foretaste of heaven that we will know as we gather around God's love for the world in everlasting life. And Jesus, God's love for the world, arose and he left the synagogue and he entered Simon's house. It's kind of, he entered the house of a shut-in because Simon's mother couldn't make it to church. She was ill with fever. And Jesus stood over her and rebuked this fever and it left her. And immediately she arose and she began to serve them. Jesus is love in the flesh. And this love took away everything that was keeping her from loving others. That was keeping her from serving. My friends, the same is true for us. I started this sermon by showing us, and it was kind of painful but showing us all the places that you and I fail to love. Well, Jesus in his word and in his very body and blood lays down his life for us, bidding us to hear, bidding us to eat and drink, to hear the word that delivers love, to eat and drink of the love that was given and shed for us. The sin in us that is opposite of love, it is cast as far away as the east is from the west. And we daily rise and emerge to walk before God in righteousness and purity. Really what that means is we rise to serve, to love others as we have been loved. Now when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases, they brought them to Jesus, God's love for the world. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying out, You are the Son of God. You know what happened that day? Simon's house became a church. God's son stood among sinners and he cast out their sin, disease, death, and hate. And he replaced it with God's love. This event foreshadowed 
what will take place when Jesus returns on the last day, when he will cast away sin, death, and the powers of the devil and deliver them to hell. And we will rest in his love forever. And until that day, God still stands among sinners. He says whenever two or three holy saints, no he doesn't, He says, whenever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am also. Until that day, we continually draw near to God's love, even as we struggle. And as we abide in his love, we find ourselves loving others as Jesus loved us. As we abide in his love, we find ourselves being a little more patient, a little more kind. We find ourselves confessing our envy and our boasting, our arrogance, our rudeness. And we find ourselves speaking well of others, being gentle instead of rude. In other words, we are changed by God's love to reflect his love in a world that needs it as much as we do. And until that day of Jesus' return, We abide in his love even in this fallen world. This world where we now see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see God's love face to face. Now we know in part, then we shall know fully, even as we have been fully known. And until that day, may the peace that surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, in God's love for the world, until he returns for you. Amen.